Welcome to Simple Faith with host Dale Carlson, bringing solid Christian answers to your questions and concerns. for Simple Faith on Life-Changing Radio. Here's host, Dale Carlson. Good afternoon. Uh, You're here at Simple Faith today again. We're happy that you're spending a little bit of time with us today, and I think we have a pretty interesting program uh, for you today. Uh, We've got uh, folks... uh, We've got folks calling in. We've got folks in the in the uh, studio here, and we're going to talk about a ministry called Kairos. I don't know if you've ever heard of Kairos uh, before, but it's a ministry that's doing great work uh, in the prison system, inside the prison system, outside the prison system, and with uh, not only with adults but uh, with uh, with youth. Uh, and we're going to hear from them today. And before we get started, I just want to say. Happy anniversary to Bob Bomier. He's not with us today because he and his wife are <laughs> celebrating 40 years of uh, wedded, wedded bliss. So uh, have a great time, uh, Bob. Bless you, Bob. Yeah, God bless you. We're going to start out with uh, with the uh, state chairperson from um, Kairos, Claude Carboneau. Are you there, Claude? I am. Are, are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, good, 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 good. Tell us what uh, what Kairos is, Claude. Tell us what you're doing. Okay. Uh, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity, and God bless to all of you. I'd first like to part, provide some, maybe a little background, a little context, uh, to talk about Kairos. In our country, at this time, there are 113 million families that have been impacted by incarceration. Sixty percent of African-American families have been impacted by incarceration. Forty-eight percent of Hispanic-American families and 42 percent of white American families have been directly impacted by incarceration. At this time, Claude, can I interrupt you for just a second? We've got a terrible connection here, and I want people to hear what you're saying. So I'm going to call you right back uh, on a different line here. If you could hang up, and let's 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 get started uh, on the right foot here. This isn't good. You're, what you're saying is is wonderful, but I want people to hear it. Okay, very I'll, good. I'll, I'll call you right back. And I'm really I'm I'm really sorry about this, folks. We have such a hard time on this. Um, uh, on this line, that uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to make this better for you. Just hold on here one second. And, oops, I th- are you there, Claude? All right, now we'll tr- let's let's try. With let's, let's try that again, Claude. Sure. Oh, well, again, uh, 
in order to provide uh, some depth to the conversation about Kairos, I thought a little background and some uh, uh, context would be helpful. At this time, uh, there are 113 million families in our country who've been directly impacted by incarceration. 60% of African-American families, 48% of Latino American families, and 42% of white American families have been directly impacted by incarceration. 2.2 million individuals are currently in uh, incarceration in our country. Of those, 95% will eventually be released and returned to our communities. I think at this point, maybe sharing Kairos's vision and its mission might give you at least a sense for what the organization is about. Its vision is a community spiritually freed from the effects of imprisonment, reaching all impacted by incarceration through the love, hope, and faith found in Jesus Christ. The mission of Kairos is to share the transforming love and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ to impact the hearts and lives of incarcerated men, women, and youth, as well as their families, to <clears throat> become loving and productive citizens of their communities. Maybe here at this point, some information about basics involved with Kairos, its organization, maybe also sharing some of the uniqueness of Kairos uh, might, be, um, might be interesting to the listeners. Um, first of all, Kairos is a lay-led, non-denominational Christian organization. We're a non-profit, a 501c3 organization. The, excuse me, the organization is headquartered in DeBerry, Florida, and operates through several state chapters. There are 37 at this time in our country, as well as individual advisory councils. That's really where the rubber meets the road, pardon the expression, but that's the uh, mechanism that's used to connect with the various facilities that uh, house the medium and maximum security uh, residents. The advisory councils <clears throat> minister to uh, incarcerated men, women, and youth, as I've, I've suggested before, and women impacted by incarceration through three programs known as Kairos Inside for men and women in facilities, Kairos Torch, which is for youth, and then finally Kairos Outside, which is for women impacted by incarceration. Our programs have their roots in the four-day street weekends, some of which include Curcio, Tres Dias, Walk to Emmaus. 
and other four-day street weekends. Currently in Maine, we offer Kairos Inside at the Maine State Prison, and we are in the process of restarting the program for women and men at the Maine Correctional Center, subject to our ability to uh, find sufficient volunteers to man those programs. So you have a need for volunteers, it sounds like. I hope everybody's uh, listening we, to that. We, we <laughs> certainly do. And my colleagues will talk about the individual programs and share sure. more details. And uh, they will also share with you some, some of the needs from a, from a volunteer perspective. Uh, also, I would be remiss if I didn't describe some of the uniquenesses of Kairos. Um, we provide a consistent program and delivery. Well, that's easy to say, but how do you do that? Well, we spend an awful lot of time in training our volunteers who, with a minimum of 32 hours for each program that we deliver at a facility or for women impacted by incarceration. In addition, the leaders for those weekends are required to attend a three-day leadership training program known as Advanced Kairos Training. Also, each volunteer receives a 300-page training manual that's used to prepare for the weekend. In addition to the program itself, which is a, typically a three to four day event, we have weekly and monthly, um, let's see, weekly and monthly <clears throat> events that help to support the program and those who've graduated from the programs. Um, my colleagues, as I said, will share more details about the individual programs and uh, volunteer needs for God's ministry for men at the Maine, correct, uh, Maine State Prison, the Maine Correctional Center, for women at the Maine Correctional Center, the youth at the Long Creek facility, and for women impacted by incarceration. Those are some of the details that uh, speak to the programs and the ministry of Kairos. Uh, but at this point, questions are welcome. And uh, I will turn it back to you, Dale. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Claude, how did you uh, end up uh, state uh, chairperson for Kairos? What, 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 well, how did God bring you into that ministry? Well, that's, that's a very interesting question because... Uh, I had been uh, a commercial banker for nearly 40 years. Wow. I, I developed an eye condition which required that I uh, retire earlier than expected. And after uh, some uh, uh, time uh, feeling sorry for myself, uh, my wife uh, finally suggested, look, why don't you do some additional volunteer work here, maybe even prison ministry. Well, I can tell you that was the furthest thing from my mind at the time. But uh, thanks to God's great grace, uh, I was able to 
uh, get beyond that and recognize that my eye condition might have been one of the greatest blessings in you my know, life. You know, that is so exciting to hear. I mean, it seems like yes. all the people we talk to uh, in ministry, or most of them, have, have a situation that seems like it's really a bad thing that God turns into something really good. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, I'm sitting here with Bob Lydon and, and, uh, and with uh, Ken Barber, and uh, they're telling me exactly the same thing. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to hear that. Now, you said you were afraid, uh, you know, kind of a, a fear of, of prison ministry, and that's a big, that's a big hump to climb over, um, and people need to do that. Uh, how, did, how did you manage that? Well, uh, I, I, was, I was very blessed. Um, at the time that I decided to do some prison ministry, I, I got to know the chaplain at the main state prison. Mm-hmm. We were living in the area at that time. And he welcomed us in and took us around, showed us what it was like uh, in that facility. And I must tell you, once you start to meet the, the residents there, you find that almost invariably, aside from the serious mistake that they've made to end up there, they're human beings just like everyone else, and they're children of God. Amen. And... As, as you minister to them, you recognize that they become very um, attached to the, the, the ministry itself and very respectful of the volunteers who give of their time to do the ministry. And they're very protective uh, for us. So I have, frankly, I have never felt uncomfortable going inside. You know, bad things sometimes happen there. There's no question about that. But um, the, the, the individuals that we end up ministering to um, are very, very sensitive to that and are very, very protective of, of the volunteers who come in and very, very appreciative. I had a similar experience uh, years ago when I was working in a prison ministry. And uh, I remember uh, walking in with the evangelists that we were, gonna, w- that we were working with and uh, and hearing those big iron bars closing behind me, and it was just like took the breath out of me. But then once we got in there, uh, those guys looked like my neighbors. <laughs> that scared me a little bit. <laughs> but uh, but that's that's the truth. Yeah, and you know, in the end, this one of uh, one of the clergy who works with us, you know, just reminded us uh, that what we're doing is we're bringing Jesus Christ into that facility yeah. he's right with us so you know it's in his hands at that point and those are great hands to be in they, yeah. it sure is it sure is and uh it, it, it it's one of those things and jesus mentions i think it's matthew 25 that we're to visit the people in the prisons that's and, correct uh, and yet some some of us you know are are, are a little bit timid about that and and uh <laughs> and um i think overcoming that timidity is part of God's plan for our lives because there's we can be proud of who we are and uh, and proud that we're children of Jesus uh, and there's no nothing we can nothing we have to fear amen yeah well uh, Claude thank you so much uh, we're gonna go to break here in just a couple minutes uh, I give you a, a minute or two to say anything else you want to say uh, before we uh, go to break well, I don't want to take any thunder away from my colleagues here because they prepared for this as well. But 
clearly, as you pointed out, um, this ministry only succeeds if people are willing to volunteer. Absolutely. And there are all yeah. kinds of different needs for volunteers. And, and they'll get into some of those details. So, um, you know, as you were saying, Matthew 25, 31 to 36, really says how we're all going to be judged one day. Amen. And one of those items is visiting those in prison. So, and there are a number of ways to do that, and, and you'll hear more about that as my colleagues share their their own uh, perspectives on the ministry. So, that's, at least from my perspective, it, it's an amazing, amazing ministry, and the reason I keep doing it is you keep seeing miracles happen Amen. every time. Amen. Yep. Every yep. time you go in, you see miracles happen during that program. So, and we did just recently, uh, we finished Kairos 39 about a week and a half ago, and the same thing happened again. It was, it, it's just inspiring. It, uh, you see God at work, and uh, that know, is he the, uses us. Yeah, that is, the, that is the most precious thing ever, to see God at work and yeah. know that you've been part of it, and God uses you and, and, uh, and works with you. I like the idea that you have, uh, you know, there's a lot of training involved, so it's not just uh, opening the doors and throwing you in. in. It's just, uh, it's, uh, you really have a thoughtful approach and a prayerful approach, and I think, I think it's great. And we have one of those miracles sitting at the table with us in, in, Ken, in Ken Barber, and we're going to hear you from do. him a little bit later, yep. Yeah, you do exactly. Yeah, exactly. So thank thank you so much, Claude, and uh, right. we'll have you back on again when we have a little bit more time. Love love to All hear right. more from you. <laughs> very very good. Thank you, Dale. God yeah. bless. God bless you. Thank you um, we're going to go to break now, and uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes, and we're going to hear from Patty Hackett and Bob Lydon on youth ministries and inside and outside women's ministries. So we'll be right back. Hold on. Welcome back. Uh, we're talking with folks from Kairos Ministries, a prison ministry that happens in Maine and uh, 36 other states, from what I understand. And right now I've got to Bob Lydon sitting next to me and Patty Hackett on the phone. Are you there, Patty? I certainly am. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So tell us a little bit about, um, I don't know who wants to start here. Patty, you want to tell us a little bit about the women's ministry? Sure. Um the women's ministry is actually takes place in Wyndham. That's where the women are housed. And it's been going on for about 10 years. And we had a little bit of a lapse, obviously because of COVID, but we now are reorganizing our team to get back in there, hopefully to have a retreat this fall, if not January for sure. So it's about uh, six or eight women at this time and we're always looking for additional women to join us. And um, we share our faith and try to witness God's love in what he does in our lives and to share that with these women that are incarcerated and to give them support and um, accept forgiveness of uh, things in their life, but forgiveness that God has presented with us too in our lives. What do you think is the biggest joy that you have in serving these women, Patty? From visiting with these women, for me to see how their body language and as they uh, come up upon us and approach us, not willing to talk or share and very hesitant and obviously uncomfortable to who they are as women, 
And then after we spent time with them and that experience, it um, they just it, it's like they blossom. Mm-hmm. And I think they are women that maybe have not experienced that unconditional love before mm-hmm. and acceptance for who they are. And they certainly gain self-respect. And to see them glowing and receptive to conversation and um, it's just it, it touches your heart you can't help but be moved and see God's work with them in those few days that we spend time with them for the retreat mm-hmm. yeah there's more to ministry than than just teaching it's that that personal uh, relationship that uh, that just does so much so much more than just words isn't it Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they, you know, when you, when we first come in, they think of us as just, you know, those are the church women, you know, those are the, and, and they don't realize that we all come in, you know, in different walks. We're all, you know, it's, it's a non-denominational group. We're not trying to uh, promote what church or, you know, that we go to, but just, show them how God works in our lives and he is accepting and loving to everybody. Amen. Amen. What, what is the most challenging part of, of working with, uh, with the women in, in the prisons? I would say the most challenging is, um, I found that in this experience, they, um, are very hesitant to, um, trust and i think maybe in their lifestyle you know that that trust either was never established or they weren't taught that growing up to trust and and respect and so they're very cautious extremely cautious i'd Hmm. say Hmm. so breaking the ice it's not easy it is not easy no it's not easy but what what is it that does what do you think the the key element is that you bring in there that does break the ice that causes that suspicion and that doubt and that fear to begin to break down in those women? They they definitely see in how we present ourselves, how we are with each other as a team. They see that respect. They see that love. They see us actually living our faith. And we're not just talking about a subject or that actually we are witnessing and we are truly Christian women and and they see that. We're not pushy about it, but we're able to just be who we are. And they are so receptive to that when they they see that it's not just a facade, that that's who we that's who we really are. Well, now, and they build that trust as the days go by in that retreat. Patty, before, but before you, a team of, of, of you go into the, the prison itself, you've spent some time together uh, with oh, yes. God, right? Yes, yes. The team is together and, and we study and we share and we build relationships within ourselves you know with with the group of women that are part of the team but our own personal relationship with god is growing through all this too and so i I mean it actually rubs off i mean we (laughs) we complement each other but then we're able to bring it forward 
and share that with these women too. Oh, okay. They see that too. Yeah, yeah. I think I think when you're working in ministry like this and seeing miracles happen, it the the I think sometimes the volunteers are more affected than the people you're ministering to. It is amazing how um, I know. For me, I felt like it was a calling that when I always I became a born again Christian when I was forty, and I'm way past that now. And I just felt it was a calling, like what happens to these women? Do they know? And I didn't know that there was a ministry of this nature. And then a friend of mine, uh, Lori Hafner, happened to mention that she had just been part of this. And I said, oh, I, I want to be a part of it too. And now that I am, I can't imagine not being a part of the team and sharing this and helping these women to rebuild their lives and to actually like themselves and know that there are there is love in the world and God never leaves you and you have to trust and you know have them have that experience of living under total surrender yeah. and it's a totally different concept for them so to see that transformation because after we have the initial retreat we go back for reunions so we're still continuing to build that relationship with these women until obviously, you know, they leave. But uh, there are some that don't leave. And, you know, you're, you're still continuing to see them and mm -hmm. building that relationship. But there, you're also, we are witnessing them growing in their faith. You know, their spiritual journey is growing too. And, and that's just, you know, like, that puts me in awe. Puts well, all of us in awe. Bob, uh, you're, you're work, mostly working in the uh, the men's ministry, is that correct? Correct. And Bob, what is your role with Kairos? So um, I'm on the state chapter committee, which is uh, just we're going to be getting a website going. Uh, we're revamping it, so working with that. But I'm going to be leading the group in in October. This will be our next. We were just oh. in a week and a half ago. Uh, we'll be going in October the 23rd to the 26th. Um, so, yeah, leading that, getting that team together. Oh, so you'll be working with a team inside the prison? Yes. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, I mean, Claude went over a little bit about why we do it. Um, and really, the uh, in Matthew, uh, you know, saying, you know, being judged and, and uh, did you do this and did you do all these things? And one of them is visiting, visiting people in prison. Um, so that's, that's, you know, why we do it. But, but the other thing is, that, like, uh, you know, bringing darkness into or lighten into dark places. Uh, real quick story about that. I was down in Dallas last year for a convention, and um, the head of religious services had a ver uh, for the entire state of Texas uh, Corrections Department had a very interesting uh, background to how he got to where he was, but that's where he ended up. And he used to get called to go to death row for any time there was an execution. And he told this story that there was a uh, at one point in one of the prisons, he said the most evil group of men he'd ever seen. Wow. And he went to the warden, he said, I want to bring Kairos in there. And the warden said, have at it. So they went in, and then uh, he said, listen to this, to, this uh, to the convention. And he held up his cell phone to the microphone, and he played uh, a tape of those men singing Amazing Grace. Um, <laughs> and it was, first of all, they were amazing. They really could sing it really well. But... Um, it was pretty powerful. Wow. 
Yeah. So this has a life-changing effect on the folks you're working with. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it does. So we go in and we work with them for four days. Um, it's really just to bring love of God. But the first thing is listen, listen, love. That's a mantra of Kairos is listen, listen, love, love. Because you got to listen first. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the reason you get respect from these guys is, and the women too, I assume. is We're not going in there yes. and preaching to them. We're listening to them mm-hmm. first. And we don't want to know what they're in there for. We don't want to know how long they've been in there. We don't want to know when they're getting out. Um, not, that doesn't matter to what we're doing. And that kind of surprises them, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not mm-hmm. asking them questions like that. Um, we're, at, we're just listening to what they tell us. And we're not there to solve their problems either. Um, you know, we're not counselors necessarily. We're, we'll listen to them, we, and we might say, well, how do you think you're going to resolve it if they have a problem they've identified to mm-hmm. us? Um, but basically, we, we go in, we, there's a bunch of talks that all build on each other, um, choices, um, forgiveness, um, who is the church, uh, who is Jesus Christ, the historical figure. Um, and then from all those talks, they, they talk about those, they discuss it, they do artwork about it, which really gets them... Uh, they draw a poster together. They sit in tables, groups of tables. And so they work together to create a poster about the talk, which gets them thinking about it, which is, and they, some of them are really good artists, <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, but uh, through that time, they begin to be a, a real a group forms. Just over three days or four days, okay. it's really amazing. And then the the continuing ministry. So this is like a mountaintop experience. Mm-hmm. You know, they... When we leave, they got to go back, and we have to yeah. go outside to the real world. They've got to go back down to the prison environment. Neither yeah. one of those is an easy environment necessarily. So um, the the heart of Kairos, we tell all the volunteers, is not us going in. It's really their faith journey after we leave. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so that's where we have these um, reunions um, just to bring them back in. But also we start these prayer and share groups with them so they can – Pray with themselves and support themselves, and, and if they've you know they 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 slip up a little bit, they could say they could talk to their to their uh, Kairos graduates and say, you know, um, get encourage encourage each other. Yeah, say pray for me. Right, pray for me. So it's a, a very much a, uh, a continuing. It, this is just a start for them. Um, so the the Kairos is at a, a, a four day event. Yes. Every so often, There's, or is there a weekly thing or monthly component? Or? So we go in twice a year mm-hmm. um, for the four-day event. Mm-hmm. And that event is with 24, hopefully 24 people that have not been through the program before. Mm-hmm. And um, they go through that program. Then we go back for these reunions. And they also have the prayer and chair, which is just one or two volunteers go in for that. And then mostly it's just them. Um, but for the reunions, more volunteers can go in. Um, so yeah, it's, it's th- that's the other thing that really gets their attention is it's not a one and done. We you know you don't go in and you're dropping this on them and right. then leaving. Yeah. Okay. So um, it's really about building relationships, isn't it? Yes. And in fact, oh, yes. speaking about yes. that, so this fellow over here to my right, um, <laughs> when I went in for the first weekend, I did. He was a servant at the, so he was a resident of the prison. And when I would go back for reunions, it, well, he heard a talk I gave, uh, that particular one. And in that talk, it came up that I had grown up in Jersey. And he lived a couple towns away, and he knew my town really well. So I'd go back to reunions, and he always would come over, give me a big greeting, and, and call me my Jersey buddy. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so, so now he's on the outside and being a volunteer, which is great to see. 
Um, so as far as volunteers, what we need, you know, the volunteers, we've got four people uh, th or three people at a table. So we have 12 volunteers that are sitting at tables, clergy and, and lay people. There's a leadership of three. There's an uh, inside coordinator, does a lot of stuff on the background. Um, when you get all down to it, it's 20, 25 people. Mm -hmm. we'll go, so it's a pretty big team. Oh, okay. yeah. And then we have an outside group, the support group, that uh, cooks meals for us. Um, what's nice about that is they just don't cook meals, and that's and so it's they're they're only doing work. They get to participate as well because they're reading through all the talks that are being given while we're giving them. They're on the outside. They have a book that's got everything that's been going on, and they discuss those those uh, talks and discussions and pray over those things as well while they're on the outside. So you actually sit down at a table and, and eat a meal with the guys? Well, we do for lunch. Um, okay. In the prison, we, we, in fact, one of the reasons we, we, we actually bring in pizza one day and, and other food, so that's actually a draw for that. Some of the guys, <laughs> some of the guys that the, come in will, will say at the end, I really came in here for the pizza, but. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there's an open mic, and it's amazing what you hear, what they get out of it. Um, it it's truly amazing. So, um, yeah, so volunteers for being inside, plus volunteers on the outside, uh, financial donations. Um, we also have a prayer vigil that we do. Uh, we set, we have all the volunteers go to their churches and sign up people for a prayer vigil for half-hour blocks. Those names get put on one big banner consolidated that's brought in, and they see these people for half-hour blocks are praying for them. It's very powerful for them because they've never even concept of people praying for them is something Ooh, so it's the 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 actual prisoners yeah are being prayed for by people, people in on the, the church who've never met them before. who never met and also from other prisons because oh, wow. what we do are, when we're in there we'll have them sign uh and uh posters to send to other prisons for their programs so they're they say we're praying for you and, and vice versa like mm. we we have uh oh. they have artwork from this last time coming from dublin from South Africa, wow. other prisons, their groups that are going through it, sending their prayers to the group that's in Maine. So Amen. it's pretty cool. So it goes well beyond just what happens between the team and the prisoners during the four days. Yes. And so when th one thing we tell them is the people that on the outside praying for them, that's one way they're fulfilling this Matthew uh, th They're actually, those prayers are inside with those guys. Yeah. So they're part of it. So, Patty and Bob, um, we've got a couple minutes left in this session. How do people get a hold of you if they want to volunteer? I hope there's a lot. I hope you get a whole slew of volunteers through this. Well, you can go um, onto Cairo's Maine, and you can connect with Claude Carboneau. Um, you can, um, and it, he, it will reach out to all of us. So huh. there's, there's several ways to do that. Um, I mean, I'll gladly give you um, my contact number now because it's so important that we um, join, you know, have other people join us because we're rebuilding our team. So, What is that I number, mean, Patty? Uh, my phone number is 207-577-9170. You can text me. You can call me. 577-9170. Yes, and we are certainly looking for volunteers. And I just wanted to add my my personal experience and all of us that have done this for, for years now have commented how when they first come in in your first meeting, these 
these women and men and you don't know the dynamics of what you know inside what you know this person doesn't like that person and they walk in and their arms are crossed and they're not going to say a word and i'm not sitting with that person at that table and it's for whatever reasons they don't like each other and i you know you're wondering wow you know we we have to get through this god's Mm -hmm. love you know we pray that we will get through this and give us strength and by the end of the retreat these two people are like having a relationship they will sit together and talk and share and you can see the difference the profound difference in in the presence you know from this experience that they've gone through amen well, we're out of time, Patty. I, I wish we had so much more time with you folks, but uh, we've got a lot lot on the docket today. Thanks for joining us. and Thank you so much. Let's get back together again uh, when we have... Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Oh, Thank God, you, Patty. God bless you, Patty. Have a great day. God bless you, you too. too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, we're going to go to break now, and we're, gonna, we're going to uh, be right back with Ken Barber, who's going to tell us uh, who was uh, actually one of these prisoners that... Uh, that, that uh, oh, that experienced Kairos. Yeah, that yeah. experienced Kairos. And Kairos, <laughs> by the way, Kairos is spelled K-A-I-R-O-S. Yes. Okay. God bless you, Patty. Thank you. And God thank- bless you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back uh, to Simple Faith. Uh, we've got Ken Barber here now from the Kairos ministry, and he met Kairos. He became aware of Kairos while he was uh, uh, a resident at Warren. I was a resident at Warren. Warren, yes. and he's now advisory council secretary for uh, for Kairos. So, tell us a little bit about what what it's like to live in in prison and what those guys are going through uh, before Kairos. You know what what? Uh, um, well, I was never arrested before, and um, I was quite the partier back in the seventies and eighties, and. My life had taken several different turns through the 90s and the early 2000s, and uh, I ended up with a toilet bowl death spiral, that uh, I call it, and uh, I ended up with a 20-year sentence, mm-hmm. 10 years suspended, and a pair of sevenths with mm-hmm. 10 years probation. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't sound like much fun to me. Uh, I... Uh, come from northern New Jersey, and I, I certainly didn't uh, experience uh, the under, sulfite underbelly of, uh, of society um, until I went to prison in uh, March of 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, mental illness is rife throughout the system. Uh, the, the low level of education, um, men from all different socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, I was shocked. I was shocked. I, I have a college education and um, just finished my uh, uh, second uh, master's degree so mm-hmm. in seminary. So what was it like? Uh, how are these guys how, how are these guys before and after uh, Kairos? Uh, Kairos is an invitation only program. Um, you have to be invited by a Kairos graduate, a very close friend of mine, Al Saunders, who lives in uh, Port Jervis now after doing 22 years for manslaughter. 
uh, was talking to me at my my, uh, table at Chow, and he noticed me going to church uh, for the Protestant service. And he goes, you ever hear Kairos? And I said, no. And he said, well, let me see your DOC number. And he wrote it down. He said, I'll get back to you. Mm -hmm. And several weeks later, I got a letter in the mail saying you've been selected for Kairos number 20, May of 09. And he says, uh, it's going to change your life. Mm-hmm. And did it change your life? Oh, <laughs> well, uh, when I went through the four-day program, and I'm six foot five and 320 pounds, mm-hmm. and when I saw lifers, people, murderers, that will never get out of prison, and I would never look in the eye a second time. Um, when I witnessed these people transform before my eyes mm. uh, during my Kairos 20, I said, this is something I got to get into. And that was 14 years ago. Mm. Well, So I, I'm not only a Kairos graduate, I've been a Kairos graduate server inside, and I'm on my second term as advisory counsel on the outside. So when, uh, when you saw these folks' lives change in this Kairos program, uh, did you see evidence of that change after Kairos would leave and, uh, and, and life would go on as usual in the, uh, or was it? Men, uh, and, and I'm assuming the women at Wyndham too, the, the men at Main State Prison in Warren, um, just like Patty said, when you show up on a Monday, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes people know each other, do not like each other, mm-hmm. don't want to even talk, let alone sit next to somebody. Or you hear through the rumor mill, somebody did this or that, and, you know, don't hang out with them. Um, what happens during the four-day program is that these men and, and women that walk in on Monday are not the people that graduate on Thursday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, Fundamental transformation, uh, very powerful testimonies uh, at open mic, um, the talks and meditations, the collaborative posters, um, the discussions uh, at your family table, break down barriers Mm -hmm. and you actually get to know the people that you're sitting with. Mm-hmm. Some uh, are very angry at God. Others have just fallen away because of familial upbringing. Others don't know God at all mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and who Jesus Christ was. And um, the lay uh, volunteers that come in along with only four or five clergy, um, they're here to facilitate, um, not to lead the discussions. Uh, it all comes from the, the resident participants, and it, it's, it's so hard to describe. The, the whole room, and I use the word conduit, the... The volunteers come in, 
and the Holy Spirit just fills the room. Awesome. The um, what in the activity building, the worship hall, which is used by fourteen different recognized faiths uh, by the main Department of Corrections. Um, it becomes a safe space. Mm-hmm. You are not in prison. You develop relationships with the volunteers. They become your mentors. Uh, it's you're not incarcerated while you're there. Wow. Yeah, you're it, free. It, it's yeah, yeah it's mm-hmm. quite a feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a feeling. Yeah. Well, when you went, when you first went into prison yourself, were you a Christian at that time? Yes, I was. Uh-huh. Yes, I was baptized American Baptist in 1993, and I was christened as an infant uh, United Methodist. Mm-hmm. Um, I had met my uh, my priest, my spiritual director now, uh, Jim King, at Cairo Stepper 20, May of 09. He was at my table, Luke. And when I went back in 2017, he gave me the uh, St. Ignatius Examine Adventure, uh, which, which is a uh, very powerful retreat uh, for anybody that's interested in getting serious about a prayer life. But he also uh, provided me with the diaconate uh, curriculum for um the uh, charismatic Episcopal Church mm-hmm. uh, that we're part of in Portland. And uh, he said, you could do this. And I said, no, I can't. I'm not worthy. While well, you were still in prison? Well, I was in prison. I, I'm, oh, I'm the only one in the whole world, uh, charismatic Episcopal Church, to finish that diaconate curriculum uh, while still incarcerated. Mm. So, And I've been uh, out as, as of yesterday. As a matter of fact, I've been out a year. Oh yeah, and so I, I had a beer. <laughs> My goodness, <laughs> <to celebrate. laughs> I didn't know so, that. Yeah, yes. Um, from what I've seen, um, not only as a, a fellow inmate, uh, learning humbleness in regards to being a graduate server, we go through a thousand cups of coffee in four days. <laughs> And uh, the um, average uh, Kairos uh, four-day retreat costs around $5,000, being sponsorship uh, and donations coordinator 2015 to 17, I was able to cut that price in half through in-kind donations, Mm -hmm. whether it be from Hannaford, local businesses in Portland where I was. and an awful lot of businesses are more than happy to contribute in, in regards to uh, donations, prayers, uh, their time. It, it, it's the other side of what guys inside don't see. And, and there's a whole network of, of volunteers and, and uh, communications going back and forth um, that guys inside have no idea about. And uh, I, I encourage, um, I encourage guys that are getting out that have been through a Kairos to um, uh, come and be part of the organization on the outside, and they are really amazed 
at seeing what we do on the other side just to put on a four-day retreat yeah. uh, twice a year. I'm gonna. I wish. I wish you could uh, see the emotion that I'm seeing right now in Ken. I mean, it, it's something that yeah. uh, he's really been moved. Yeah. I I want to give Clint Daggett. He's the founder. He's the guy who brought uh, Kairos to Maine. Uh, Clint, uh, could you give us a couple words? Uh, with we got about three minutes left. Could you tell us <laughs> you know, what what made you bring this to Maine? Well, uh, Nancy and I lived in uh, Western New York, and. Um, uh, the opportunity came to me to um, experience a little jail-type ministry in the local uh, county. Actually, it was uh, jail. And um, I felt that, yeah, I, I want to do that. But it, it didn't seem to, it didn't seem to work for me. Um, and shortly after that, um, I, re I received an invitation to, to go to a meeting in Buffalo, New York. Um, one of one of the uh, Christian uh, fellows in Buffalo had a teacher had gone on a sabbatical to Florida. This would be back in 1986, maybe 80. Yeah, and and and. On his sabbatical, he had been invited to go to one of the first uh, Kairos uh, prison ministry weekends that had just been started in the state of Florida. And uh, anyway, he came back and, and presented uh, what he had experienced. And, and that just seemed to be exactly what I was looking for. I liked the idea of not not just an in and out where many times the, the guys would would be on their way and go on. Uh, I was looking for something a little um, more long-term, I guess, make kind of a ministry in prison. Anyway, uh, that's where I had an opportunity to to uh, work on, a, on a, I don't know, two or three Kairos weekends in Western New York. And my wife, Nancy, worked on a couple uh, women's inside weekends that Patty was just talking about that's going to be starting uh, over in Wyndham uh, soon this fall or January, I think, for sure. Um, anyway, then... Um, we've, got about, we've got about 30 seconds left, uh, Clint. I need to have you guys on again because there's so much here to talk <laughs> about, and it's so interesting and so, so such a precious ministry. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you, when we moved to Maine, I didn't know anybody up here. The first thing we did, we did was I went up to the prison to see Chaplain Matt Kantrowitz mm -hmm. and uh, asked him if, if, he had, if he had Kairos ministry here. He said, nope. Uh, he said, we've got other ministries. He said, uh, uh, what I'd like you to do is come, come up here and work with the Yoke Fellows ministry. Awesome. And, uh, I didn't know anything about Yoke Phillips. I was, Nancy and I lived in southern Maine. So it was a